This is a Village Soundcast Network original production. Hi, I'm Mike Campbell, artistic director and founder of Huff, the Halifax Urban Folk Festival. And this is HuffCast, a limited-run podcast showcasing the best and brightest artists coming to Huff this year. Please join me as I chat with artists performing this year's 10th anniversary edition. My guest today grew up in Canada's impossibly small province, Prince Edward Island. Even though she's the daughter of the legendary Jean McClellan, her multiple East Coast Music Awards and her Juno for the Raven Sun conclusively prove that she's not in anyone's shadow. Here's my conversation with the delightful Catherine McClellan. And I got sicker. Hello? Hey, Catherine. Hey. It's Mike Campbell. <laughs> How are you, Mike? I'm all right today. And yourself? I'm good. Just uh, getting back to real life. <laughs> really? <laughs> you're away from real <laughs> whatever life? That for, well, whatever that is. Whatever that is. And you're not <laughs> complaining about the heat? Mm-mm. No, I just spent the weekend at the beach. It was awesome. <laughs> Great. Which beach do you go to? Uh, we went up to Panmure Island to hang out with uh, Ashley Condon and her husband and oh. camped on the beach, had campfires and lots of beer. <laughs> Good for you. Were there sing songs happening? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was great. It was uh, my one weekend of summer. The rest are all booked. So. Oh, well, you know, the double-edged sword. Oh, yeah, it's great. You got to work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I mentioned to you at uh, one point over the course of our knowing each other that I actually lived in Summerside PEI for a year and change, I think. Right, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I moved there from uh, Ontario, Belleville, Ontario, a small town in Ontario, which is like 35,000 people. But when I got to Summerside, it was like, oh, my God, I've moved to a weird little town. There's hardly any people here. Um, what, was it like, what was it like for you growing up in Summerside? Summerside, uh, well, I, I kind of did the same, actually. I was born in Ontario, and my family moved back to PEI. Um, yeah, when I was 10 years old, so it was a big change. I also felt like this is a weird little town. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, uh, but it was really fun growing up there. You know, there's lots of freedom to just be outside and lots of nature. And um, then when I was older, I started meeting all these people who were playing music and that's kind of how I got my start playing was just uh, as a young adult, kind of playing in a folk club and meeting all these other strange people who, I, it's funny, it was such a small town, but there were all these musicians that I, I didn't know. We even, some of us went to high school together, like Nathan Wiley. <laughs> right. I didn't even know him, yeah. Yeah. Well, as I recall, I mean, there were people there that, uh, there were there were people that I went to school with a million years ago who were also musicians. And I think they probably still are. I mean, Dale DeRosh, yeah. uh, Kenny Pearl, oh, yeah. you know. Uh, I really quite enjoyed myself in PEI. That's why I sort of asked your take on the question. I mean, I still, I still have friends from there, um, from when I lived there, years and years and years ago. Probably more than most of the other places I lived. So there was something about the island that uh, um, I grew to love. In fact, I, when I moved away, I, I made a point of coming back almost every summer for as long as I could, probably five, six years in a row. Uh, there's something about that oh. place. Um, when did you start writing your own songs? 
Um, I started, you know, when I was in high school, like I, I was writing a bit of poetry and learning how to play guitar and kind of started putting them together. Um, and a lot of it was kind of, you know, after my dad died and I was, you know, a teenager, I just like locked myself up in my bedroom for a couple of years and right. um, expressed myself through through song. And that's kind of it's how it all started. And it's kind of still, you know, music is a way for me to express myself. And, and uh, back then I was so shy I had, and uh, introverted, I like really couldn't talk to people about how I was feeling and, and that's changed, you know, now I'm all grown up, right. <laughs> but, uh, but music is still that source of, yeah, it's like where my heart and my spirit kind of can express themselves. Did you realize it was sort of a form of therapy at the time? No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I was doing it. I just, uh, I was just kind of an obsession really. And uh, it wasn't until later, and I kind of looked back on what I'd been doing that I realized it kind of got me through some of the hardest years of my life. Mm. But you finally were confident enough that you had, you know, that your songs were good enough that you could release an album. Yeah. Was that a huge undertaking? Well, the first album that I actually released was with uh, my first band, The New Drifts, and we, uh, it was like a two songwriters in the band and the other songwriter was Jane Phillips. And so that kind of made it easier for me to make a record in that way because it wasn't all on me and there was, you know, this other force driving it. Um, and so that was a good first taste of recording and, you know, being a kid of a musician, my brother, uh, a studio engineer, I spent a lot of time in, in studios. Um, so it kind of was second nature when I, when I made my first solo record, I just, uh, I love the process and I love being in the studio. I love all the, you know, creativity that happens there and, you know, fleshing out ideas. It's, uh, it's really fun. And my first record was um, called Dark Dream Midnight and it was really, uh, I guess, experimental folk. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> yeah, we played around a lot, different sounds. And, yeah. Are you one of those people that uh, uh, can't listen to your early material? Uh, I was in the past, but just in the last little while, because I've been trying to dig up old songs and uh, I've been listening to them again, and it's fun, you know. It's a, it's really an expression of who I was at the time, and and there's still some stuff in there that I can be proud of. Some stuff that I would love to bury. <laughs> <laughs> that's life, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I never wrote songs, but I used to write stuff. And uh, every once in a while, I'll stumble across something I wrote a long time ago, and <clears throat> a lot of cringing going on. Uh, <laughs> I still keep it just to remind myself how much I suck. Yeah, but that's, uh, yeah, that's a good... but I can't throw it away. You know, <laughs> no, something it's, about it. It's good to have in the archives. <laughs> um, did you do? Did, did you like keep a diary or something? Did you do that kind of writing? Yeah. I, I did um, sort of, it was more like a an art diary, like a, sketches and poems and um, weird thoughts. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I did that for many years. I have a collection, actually. I just uh, moved house and I found this box of all these old, you know, I, I wrote them in big black covered sketchbooks. And uh I'll never show anybody that stuff, but it's interesting to kind of comb through and see where I was. And, you know, I was 
I feel like I was a lost soul for a lot of years. <laughs> it's a big mess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you were probably flying under the radar for a bit, but, you know, then eventually you, um, I'm assuming it was Bernie Finkelstein himself that signed you to True North. It was, yeah. Um, I had met their A&R rep, um, Grand Stairs, right. um, at a, a workshop for the ECMAs, and I just, I wasn't looking for a label or anything, and I just handed him the album, and then, you know, um, not long later, I was playing a show in Toronto, and, and Bernie himself came out, and he signed me right away. He was like, you want to wanna be on True North? <laughs> 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 and uh, I, I really, like, was, I was quite happy with you know, doing things on my own, but um, it was a great experience to work with him for a little while before he sold the label. And um, and True North has been a, a big ally, even when I'm not making records with them. They're still, uh, I feel like I'm still part of their team and they're part of mine. Yeah, I mean that's a truly Canadian label, that one. Yeah, it has a long history. I guess it started with Bruce Coburn and yeah, and went on from there. And yeah, some of my favorite music has come out on that label. Yeah. So you did a couple of records with them, and then you released The Raven's Son independently? Yeah, yeah. It was kind of the end of our contract, and I was ready to to do something on my own. Because as much as I loved working with True North, I always felt like, you know, in a way they wanted to have a little bit of creative say about my records. And, um, and it was nice to make a record that I just felt I could do exactly the way I wanted to. And I was working with Chris Gauthier, um at the time, and he just, uh, he spent about a month in a little cabin in the woods uh, working on all the arrangements, and then we went down to um, just outside of Woodstock, New York, to record there, and uh, it was such a great experience. It was one of those, uh, which has been rare for me, but like, we basically had two weeks to record and mix the whole thing, and uh, it's nice to work that way, you know, where you've done all the preparation, and you get to just play the music. And it must also be, you know, gratifying and a little ironic that that's the album that got you a Juno Award. I think it's pretty funny, yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> pretty great. I, you know, it, it really did feel, you know, rewarding, I guess, just that the record that we made the way we wanted to make. And, you know, I spent a lot of money making that all on my own. <laughs> right. It was nice to, to get a little, uh, you know, reward at the end of it. And do you remember the feeling when they said your name? Well, I wasn't at the awards. I was on tour in Germany. Good and Lord. So I went to, yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, I went to bed then because the time difference, I, there was no way I could stay up to see what was happening. So I went to bed with this feeling of, oh, it's nice to be nominated. And, right. you know, that's cool. All my friends are in that category. And, and then I woke up at six in the morning. I was like, oh my God, we, we actually won. <laughs> it was quite exciting. I woke Chris up and was like, we got a Juno. So anyway, it was a good, good moment. And then that was like quickly um, shifted into like, who really cares when the people we were staying with said, what is this, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's funny when you talk to people from other places, you always have to put it in American terms. Oh, well, the Juno is like, uh, you know, a Canadian Grammy. (laughs) <laughs> or exactly. much music is, you know, like Canadian MTV. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, you know, I remember feeling like, wow, Catherine and Juno, that is so cool. Yeah. But I also well, kind of feel like 
you know, I've been talking to lots of folks and we talk about Prince Edward Island and, you know, some of the songwriters that are there, some of the female songwriters that are there, you know, specifically. So, you know, I say, well, yeah, there's Catherine, there's Rose Cousins, there's Jen Grant, there's Tara McLean. Is there something in the water there? Or I can't think of another place, you know, where pound for pound, you've got as many great songwriters as as a tiny little place like PEI. I'm assuming yeah. it's just a I'm assuming it's just a coincidence, but Yeah, I think so. But maybe there's something to do with the, you know, lack of things to do in the winter and um I don't know. I also think there's something about islands because there are a lot of islands with rich cultural traditions. I mean not that, you know, the rest of the Maritimes doesn't have that. I mean we definitely have that across this country and across the world. Every spot has its thing, but uh, maybe just being an island girl, there's something about island that feels kind of um, special and a little magic that happens. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything about PEI that drives you nuts? The tourists. <laughs> ah, of course. I'm just joking. I, I mean, it's a love-hate thing, right? Right. Um, the, the island just ramps up with busyness and suddenly there's traffic and people are complaining about how long it takes to drive in the summer and road construction and, you know, um, but the tourists make this place come alive in the summer too. You know, I'm doing this show every Tuesday and Wednesday at the Brewing Company, and it's mostly tourists who are coming. It's um, it's just awesome to be able to um, have a new audience that changes basically every week. <laughs> right. Well, tell me a little bit about this show and how it came together and all of that. Yeah. Um, well, I had done two years at the Brewing Company, um, the show about my dad called If It's All Right With You, and that was... Um, a big game changer for me and just how um, I've approached shows. And um, I spent a lot of time focusing on my dad's stuff and it was amazing. And I learned a lot about him and it was fun doing the shows, but it was also really emotionally taxing talking about his death and, and mental illness. And um, so when the brewing company company and I met um, after that second season was done, we were both kind of on the fence if we wanted to do it a third year. And so we decided not to. And I figured somebody else would be clamoring at their door to, to put on some sort of show. But I guess nobody thought to until they asked me if I had any ideas. <laughs> hmm. And I kind of racked my brain for a little while. And I was sitting um, with my friend Grady Poe. And he said, why don't you do a show with Megan and Gordy? <laughs> and then I, I phoned up Megan and she was right away just said yes. And Gordy like, yeah, we're not touring that much this summer. We'd love to do a regular PEI show. So, yeah, so it's, yeah, Megan Blanchard and Gordon McKeeman, the Rhythm Boys. Um, and it's basically our ode to PEI, and it allows us to stay home a little bit more. And um, Oh, my dog's going to bark. Somebody's coming up the driveway. <laughs> but, yeah, it's really, really fun. I uh, I've never had so much fun on stage because, you know, Gordy and the boys are such a, a blast, and they're all high energy. And um, and it's nice to have. So I feel like Megan and I are kind of sisters in music. We've known each other for over 15 years, I think. And um, it's yeah, it's beautiful. And she's pregnant also this year, so I get to watch her belly grow every week. And, you know, <laughs> it's, it's quite an, uh, an interesting time for all of us. Well, how did you? I mean, you have a daughter. How did that change your life? Oh, Isabel changed my life for the better, for sure. <laughs> hmm. uh, something about having a kid just grounded all my, you know, crazy 
20s energy and allowed me to kind of um, figure out what I really wanted to do. Because when, um, just before she was born, I realized I was going to be a single mom. And, uh, you know, being a musician is hard enough, but then trying to do that with a baby. And um, so I talked with my manager at the time, Lloyd, and he just said, what do you want to do? Do you want to work this, you know, crappy part-time job and wait 10 years to start again? Or do you want to keep going? And I definitely wanted to keep going. So um, it was definitely challenging, but um, I had lots of support. My mom was amazing. <laughs> she still is. <laughs> and uh, she's, you know, Isabel's been my inspiration for a lot of songs and, and has also kind of made it so that I don't, tour for long chunks of time. I go for two weeks at the most and then come home. And um, I think that's been a very grounding thing for me because I, I don't think I could handle the long tours away from home. All I, all I really want to do is be at home. <laughs> right. Well, I think that's, you know, got to have something. I mean, it's nice that you had the opportunity to, you know, do the show. I know Lenny Gallant did his Abigail show there for, you know, yeah. I don't know, he might still be doing it for all I know. He is, um, yeah. Yeah, but uh, you know, to be able to be, to be able to be home and to know that you've got that steady gig for the summer. Yeah, it's amazing. It really is like a mu- musician's dream. I always joked that it was my retirement gig. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, you know, it could be. <laughs> um, when you were, when you decided to put together the, um, if it's all right with you. Mm-hmm. situation was that something that you've been thinking about for a long time i mean you know having most people don't grow up with uh, you know the, the the fact that their father was a famous songwriter not just a famous songwriter but a very successful songwriter mm-hmm. um you know did you feel did, did that legacy intimidate you at all when you were starting or um, oh, you know definitely. Like, i yeah. can't possibly be as good as my dad so why am i even bothering that's I what I would be that like. Exact thought. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I would be like. I have this like, even when I was you know twenty years old, I had this inner self determination that kind of got me through a lot of that. But I definitely didn't want people to know that he was my dad, not mm. because I wasn't proud of him, but because, well, for one, you know, the grief of of losing someone to suicide it takes, or any sort of grief, it just takes so long, and I didn't. I didn't really want to be talking about that when I was younger. And um, and then also everybody, especially in PEI, it was like, oh, you're, you're Jean McClellan's daughter. Right. <laughs> and so I, I really tried not to make that, you know, the main thing that people talked about because I really wanted to, to figure out who I was first before that. Um, and it, it took me a long time to get to a place where I could celebrate and honor my dad with uh, an album and that show. And then also this documentary that we put out. Um, you know, it's the last three or four years have been the years of Gene for me. <laughs> mm. And it's not exactly going to end because Spielberg has, is turning 50. And um, so there's going to be a lot of stuff this year, some re-release of his music. And um, yeah, um, just lots of little mini projects around him. So I guess, yeah, it's it's been good. Um, but doing the show at the brewing company about my dad was not something I had planned. Right. <laughs> they just, uh, somebody asked me, they had come up with this idea. They said, Catherine, why don't you 
have a summer show here and, and sing your dad's songs. Huh? <laughs> and when somebody offers you a gig at home that runs for three months, you just say yes. <laughs> right. Right. But then I could I couldn't just make it. Yeah, here are the songs of my dad. I I I wrote a whole show around it and um, with the help of some good friends and um, yeah, it kind of became bigger than I think anyone had imagined, including myself. And that was really fun and satisfying and nice to. I don't know. I I got to know my dad in ways that I couldn't if I didn't do that deep dive. So. Well, I thought it was such a brilliant idea, and the fact that it had such a life, you know, mm-hmm. not just the the show, but the but the album. And then I haven't seen the documentary yet, but I've heard it's fantastic. Yeah, that was a project that I didn't really know what I was getting into. <laughs> 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 you know, when somebody says you want to make a documentary about you and your dad, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. I always just say yes, and then. You know, three years later, we're still making this documentary. Right. <laughs> but it has been a powerful tool for talking about mental health. And um, it's great now that, it, you know, it's streaming on CBC Gem on their online app. And so more and more people are kind of reaching out to me and talking to me about it. And yeah, it's a, it's been a really um, interesting journey, I guess, <laughs> the mm. last bunch of years. Well, it's interesting you mentioned the, you know, mental health aspect. I know a lot of musicians, you know a lot of musicians, and, um, you know, I I don't know that there's any of them, even the most well-adjusted ones, that I, I, you know, don't think have had some sort of an issue at some point. And I think a lot Mm -hmm. of people don't understand how difficult it is these days to to be a working musician, especially the way the business is. Oh, yeah. I think it's always been difficult. Mm. Um, You know, there's just something innate in the music industry that, um, well, you know, the hours we work, the instability both of schedules and finances and um, just the amount of alcohol and drugs that seem available at all times. And um, it's not conducive to good mental health. And, you know, there are studies now that show that it's not something innate in the musicians it's in the environment that we work and live in so um and it is like you said it's it's a hard harder time than ever i think because a musician has to be all things you know we have to be our own marketing person doing online (laughs) social media stuff and you know most people don't have agents or managers and um so we're doing a a lot of work um for very little money (laughs) Mm. And, you know, I think a lot of people are, are wondering why. And, you know, I, I've been very fortunate to make a living at this for almost 20 years now. And um, so I'm not going to complain too much. But it is, uh, it's hard to find that balance of of stability and, and uh, mental wellness with, the, you know, the industry the way it is. Well, I think, I think it's a good thing that you're speaking out about it. I know that you do a lot of work in this field, like... You know, Adam Baldwin talks about it a lot too, and uh, it's important. I think that people that um, folks can recognize can stand up and put a face to it, and maybe speak uh, speak to it as some folks can't or That's right. won't. Yeah, yeah, because we we have a microphone and a stage, and you know, we have this power that once you realize it, it's 
it's important to to use that power for for good. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, more and more people are doing that. Well, use your powers for good as opposed to evil. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's a great way to approach it. Um, you're playing Huff this year. Yeah, it's not I can't the, wait. It's not the first time you've done it. Um, no. What are your impressions of the festival? I ask this of everybody. Just you know, I'm assuming most people aren't going to tell me. Well, you know, Mike, it's a nice idea, but it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that it's uh, you know. A folk festival in the city. It's a uh, it's a totally different vibe than any other folk festival, and it, um, I love like the lineup that you get for it. And um, I think, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, I'm just I'm just coming over for the one night, and uh, then I have to fly off again. But I wish I I could stay for the whole thing. It's just a, a good vibe, and so many great people coming. Well, we're so happy that you could do it. Um, I'm looking forward to the night. Um, Davenant Doyle's playing with an all-star band, which turns out to be not a Halifax all-star band, but a St. John's all-star band, because the Novaks are going to back her up. That's amazing. Um, but the undercard for that show is you, Matthew Sweet, and Alejandro Escovedo, who, <laughs> you know, so I have like three of my favorite songwriters all lined up. Yeah. But you're going to be in between these two guys. Do you know anything about them, or did you know anything about them? Yeah, I mean, I know their music, and that's about where it ends. But uh, I'm pretty excited to to be able to swap songs with them and and hear about you know where their songs come from. And because I find it, songwriter circles are always a very informative for me. Right. <laughs> like, I kind of get inspired by listening to how other people approach songwriting and where the stories come from because it's uh everybody does it in their own way so yeah i'm excited i think it's going to be a really really great night and i can't wait to see having it with the whole, that whole oh thing. yeah it's incredible well you're gonna love those two dudes <laughs> yeah um I, I had a great conversation with matthew the other day and uh i was talking to him about it and whether or not he was you know, nervous about playing with a bunch of guys he's never met before in his all-star band. You know, Matt Mays is going to be his guitar player. <laughs> That's the sort of level we've got happening here. <laughs> and uh, and he said, well, you know, I am nervous about it, but not because I'm nervous of the other musicians. I'm nervous that I won't be very good. Oh. <laughs> and I and I started laughing, and he goes, well, not in the band thing, but the songwriter thing you guys are doing. He said, I don't really do that, or I don't do it on my own. Right. He said, I usually have another guy sitting there playing guitar or playing lead guitar with me yeah. or something. So he's 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 going to be probably more frightened than you are. Well, that makes me uh, feel better. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and Alejandro is... Uh, Alejandro's, I think, the coolest person I've ever met in, in rock and roll. He's definitely the best dressed guy. <laughs> it's good to know. I better uh, up my game as far as wardrobe. Oh well, you know, <laughs> you know, just 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 to be aware of what's happening you know, and, <laughs> and 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 who you're going to be hanging around with. Yeah. Um, but neither of those guys, you know, I mean, they've had they've had a modicum of success, you know, a reasonable amount of success, certainly in Matthew's case, you know, at one point when there was still a record business, when he could still sell records. Um, you know, Alejandro never really quite got there. He's probably one of the most respected songwriters in the States. Everybody that I admire name checks him all the time. Yeah. 
But he got sick a bunch of years ago and, uh, you know, he had hep C collapsed on stage and was very, very seriously ill. But as a musician, you know, he didn't have a whole lot of money in the bank and he's in the United States of America. So uh, there was, a, you know, he, there was a good chance that his whole life would have fallen apart if his uh, artist friends hadn't gotten together and recorded an album of his songs and all of this stuff to, you know, help him out. And, uh, you know, for the artist community to pull that off down there, it's a beautiful thing. And Al's not in the best of shape these days because he's, as I will point out to him, you know, he's getting on. <laughs> he's, he's getting on. You're getting on, Al. Um, but he's uh, he's super looking forward to coming back. He's the first artist that we've ever had uh, uh, invited back to Huff, not because people don't deserve to be invited back, but because we still have an awful lot of people we haven't gotten to Halifax. So, you know, I think, um, well, hopefully he's always oh, going to bring his wife, too. Oh, nice. Yes, and his wife's name is uh, Nancy Rankin. Is that any relation? <laughs> I don't know. She's from Texas, right? So when I met her, I was talking to her. This girl. She says, well, there's a lot of Rankins up there where you guys come from. And I go, yes, yes, there is. There are a lot of Rankins. So I don't know if she's going to find time to go to Cape Breton and find out if she's one of them. But, yeah, uh, we'll have to find know, out. It would, yeah, it'd be fun. It would absolutely be fun. <laughs> So what have you got, uh, you know, outside of the summer thing, what's happening, new record, all of that stuff? Yeah, a uh, new record comes out in October. We've been releasing some singles over the last um, couple months. So four of the tracks are out and another uh, double single is coming out, um, I think, the end of August, maybe early September. I can't remember. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm really excited. The new album is. Uh, it reminds me a bit of the Raven Sun. It was, you know, independent, uh, independently produced, and um, I actually put my name as producer this this time around, and um, had a lot of my great friends who have played with me before, and, and dear friends who haven't. So um, there's a bit of like a, a maritimey uh, Celtic Acadian vibe on some of the songs. Right. And, yeah, it's it's my songwriting has just shifted a lot, and as it always does, um, and I'm I'm really excited to share the songs with people and get that music out there. So I'll be yeah touring a bit with that, um, but also yeah, I, I'm uh, oh god, and October and then November is like I'm not leaving the house for all of November. <laughs> <laughs> Plan. <laughs> well. If there's one thing, the other thing I remember about Prince Edward Island was that uh, winter. I remember winter, <laughs> winter in PEI. Hard to forget. I don't think that, I don't think that the winters these days are even remotely like the ones that we used to have back when I was there in the early seventies. I mean, I was living on the Air Force Base there, going to school in Summerside, and there was at least twice in the school year where I couldn't get home. <laughs> it's only three miles away. This yeah. the snowstorm that drifts up to the tops of the telephone poles and stuff. Like people have no idea how tough it yeah. was then. It still happens. Like three years ago, we had one of those winters where yeah. it just kept snowing and snowing and never melting. So it just like we had eighteen feet of snow stacked on top of itself, and Jesus, it was uh, it was crazy. So I'm 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 okay with that. They're not like that every year. <laughs> <laughs> It's pretty wild and pretty quiet, and, and uh, it's my favorite time to 
cozy up and wait for the power to go out. Well, <laughs> wait for the power to go out. <laughs> I love it. It's my favorite. <laughs> oh, God. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me today, Catherine. And um, so I think we should you should get you back out to the beach before you have to hunker down for the winter. And oh, yeah. we look very much forward to seeing you uh, um, at Huff. You're going to be at the Carlton on Saturday, August... No, Friday. Friday, August 30th, right? Yeah, I can't wait. He said, right, like, <laughs> I'm supposed to know this stuff. <laughs> you just, I'll be there. Okay, thank you. God thanks knows. Thanks so much, Mike. Nice to talk to you. Okay, thanks, Captain. See you later. Well, that's our show for today, folks. Thanks very much to the National Treasure, Catherine McClellan. Also, thanks to Joel Plaskett for the use of our theme music, Village Sound, and to you, the music fan, for giving it a listen. This was a Village Soundcast Network original production. 